This is a GRDC podcast. Water repellent soils are a major challenge for many grain growers and especially those who farm Western Australia's sandy soils. Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. The challenges these non-wetting soils throw up include uneven water infiltration, poor crop or pasture establishment, more difficult weed control and lower nutrient and water use efficiency, leading to poorer productivity, herbicide resistance issues and greater exposure to erosion. WA Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development Research Officer Craig Scanlon, supported by GRDC Investment, has been leading research into balancing inversion tillage and nutrient management to improve crop yield. Deb Bishop asked Craig to describe the extent of water repellent soils in the western region. So in the western region, water repellent sands are common in the West Midlands region, uh, in the central wheat belt area and also on the south coast. Why is it such a problem? The main problem with water repellents is around uneven water infiltration and inefficient water use. So ultimately it leads to lower crop yield um, and lower lower efficiency of use of your inputs. Why is Deadpood studying interactions between strategic tillage and nutrient management? So through this project with GRDC and Deadpood, we're looking at how you would manage your nutrients differently after removing soil constraints such as soil water repellents or soil compaction. You recently completed a long-term experiment on inversion tillage and nutrient management. What can you tell us about that? So this experiment was set up to look at how or if the residual benefits from phosphorus or potassium fertiliser change by removing a um, water repellents constraint. So we set it up at the Badgingara Research Station on a grey water repellent sand. So it's about 40 to 50 centimetres of grey sand over gravel. And our tillage treatments were a no-till control, a rotary spader and a lime plus rotary spader. And then we had nutrient treatments that included phosphorus or potassium rundown, where we applied them once only in the first year and allowed them to run down over five years. So let's run through some of the key findings to date then, um, just overall and, and briefly. What were the main effects that you observed? The main effects on yield were actually to do with the tillage treatments. So in three of the five years, we got a positive response to rotary spading. And that appears largely due to um, not only an improvement in Um, the wettability of that soil profile, but also access to soil potassium. So when we looked at grain yield versus shoot potassium concentration, it was always higher in the rotary spadia treatments. And that's likely um, due to the fact that soil K supply was so low at this site that that improvement in um, wettability of the profile increased access to K and gave a yield response. Were the changes in water repellents after spading permanent? No. Um, What we actually found was that in the first year, immediately after the rotary spader, we dropped significantly the water repellents in the surface layer, but increased water repellents in the subsurface in the rotary spader treatments. And by the end of the fifth year, that effect was reversed we were actually starting to accumulate water repellents in the surface of the rotary spader treatment, 
but that water repellent topsoil that we had turned in five years ago was now completely wettable. What are the key learnings about phosphorus? So the main outcome in terms of phosphorus from this experiment was that the rotary spader treatment dropped coil P levels at 0 to 10 centimetres to 6 to 8 milligrams per kilogram, but um, even though the surface was low, the crop was still able to access subsoil phosphorus and phosphorus nutrition was adequate across all treatments for the five years. Potassium supply turned out to be the main factor limiting growth at this site. So even in our high control treatments where we had 80 kilos of K in year one and 10 kilos of K drilled each year after that, that wasn't enough to keep up adequate K supply at this site. Were there any benefits from lime? There were changes in cation exchange capacity in the subsoil, um, which gives the soil greater capacity to sorb potassium as it leaches, but it didn't result in a significant yield benefit. So on the basis of all that, Craig, what are the implications or the learnings for growers here when applying fertilisers to our water repellent sands? Based on this work, it seems that potassium is probably the nutrient that needs the most attention um, and that there doesn't seem to be a change in residual benefit from removing that water repellent's constraint. Were any of the treatments profitable? It took five years for differences in profit to emerge. So by the fifth year, the spading treatments were more profitable than the no-till control, but only by a relatively small amount. And we think that's because although the spading has fixed up the wettability of the topsoil, we're still only dealing with 40 or 50 centimetres of grey sand and we haven't gained access to the subsoil below that. So our yield potential is still capped by having um, a low plant available water capacity in the root zone. So in conclusion, what are the next steps for researchers, Craig? So we're using the knowledge that we've gained out of this trial to guide the designs for our current work. Um, for example, we have experiments running now where we are incorporating um, quite high rates of potassium and comparing that with different strategies which include um, drilling potassium and applying small annual amounts. Deep Herd's Craig Scanlon talking to Deb Bishop and you've been listening to a GRDC podcast. I'm Tony Crowley. <laughs>